You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is Views from Street. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yet another rousing rendition of the Views from Mint Street podcast in your ear holes. We were hoping we would be in a good mood, that Christmas would treat us well, that Santa would leave a present for Panthers fans everywhere under the tree. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Santa's name this weekend was... Run game clause. Uh, it's not a good joke. It wasn't well thought out, but you get it. Uh, shocking the entire cast and crew of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Uh, that would be me, Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, and my co host and partner in crime. They call him the great one, Lonzo, right? So, um, Lonzo, I believe you and I both said uh, run the ball, run it a lot, and run it well, and you'll win the game. Uh, we ran it as well as the ball has ever been run by a Carolina Panther football team. And shock upon shocks, the Panthers won the football game and remain in control of their own destiny, despite the best efforts of the Arizona Cardinals to fix that for us. Thanos style, we'll have to do it ourselves. What a performance against Detroit, Zoe. You know, and the other thing about it is uh, the running game was so good, it made Sam Darnold look really good so it wasn't like it was just a running game sam darnold stepped up and did things where he needed to do and the defense actually played some football that 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 helped a good deal too and uh luckily hey detroit's still detroit i i they made everyone think that they weren't um still detroit but um they're, they're still detroit i uh i will say this ladies and gentlemen because We've got no shortage of things to discuss here on the pod today. Uh, that football team that we saw against Detroit and, 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 and you know, Zoe down play Detroit. And I think it's fair. There's still a sub 500 football program looking to improve. But that was a Detroit team that last week, everybody was clamoring that Dan Campbell should win coach of the year honors. That was the Detroit football team. That had won, what, I believe six in a row? Uh, That was a Detroit football team that had a lot of momentum. And Lonzo, if you ever heard a coach say something to the tune of, we got to come out and punch them in the mouth. That's the game they were talking about right there. I don't know why every coach sounded like angry Mo the bartender from The Simpsons. But uh, if you ever had that gruff high school coach that said, come out and punch him in the mouth, he should follow it up with the first half of football that the Panthers played against the Lions because that's what they did. Pulling guards, 
pulling slot receivers, pulling wingbacks, running backs running through contact, running backs hitting that second gear and running through over and around safeties. Everything that we have wanted to see out of the run game of the Carolina Panthers got put on full display, a franchise high first, both Chuba and Foreman going over a hundo in the first half, 264 first half running yards. And while, you know, we, we, we kind of slowed the roll a little bit in the second half. Uh, it's because you could, right? It's because you could, because at that point you were just playing to take clocks off, uh, to take seconds off of the clock mission accomplished. And I'm going to go one step further and say that team that played on Sunday, Lonzo, that team can probably play with, I won't say beat, but can play with any team in the National Football League, Minnesota included. Well, I would at least say they can play with the NFC for sure. Uh, The AFC, they may have some struggles because they'll be doing a lot of catch up because the AFC scores points, the NFC, not as much. So yeah, I think they could hang with anybody in the NFC. By the way, your your coach reference sounded more like uh, Mick from Rocky, but we're I'm older than you, so I mean you know my, our references are about a decade apart. I it was a really good game, it absolutely was, and I'm not downplaying Detroit. I'm just saying de, de, deploy, Detroit was on the rise coming in, and no one picked the Panthers to win, and they did. And I was watching some of the morning sports shows this morning, and uh, which makes sense because if you're watching the morning shows, they're probably in the morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was, I was watching them this morning, and they're some are picking Tampa Bay to still pull it off. Some are picking New Orleans. Hardly anyone's picking the Panthers. And you know why? Because of inconsistency. If they play like they played this Sunday and two Sundays ago, and you could do that like every week, they uh, got a shot at doing something at least winning the South, and who knows, maybe competing in that first playoff game. But because of inconsistencies, I can see why people have trouble picking the Panthers to pull it out all the way to the end. Uh, by the way, real quick correction. I said Detroit had won six in a row. That is not correct. They have won six of the last seven, and the only L they took was against Josh Allen and his Buffalo Bills, a game they lost by a field goal against one of the best two teams in the AFC, arguably. In that run, they beat the Packers, the Bears, the Giants, the Jags, the Vikings, and the Jets with Josh Allen stuck in the middle. Of course, they had dropped five decisions in a row previous to that, but those were against the NFC's best, the Vikings, a three-point L against the Seahawks. Uh, They did get blown out by the Patriots in their worst loss of the year uh, and followed that up with a L against the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Since then, six of the last seven, and then Carolina beat the hell out of Detroit to the point that I don't know if you saw this clip, but after the game was over, when Dan Campbell went over to Steve Wilkes, uh, he said that was an ass kicking right there. I mean, that was his words, and I could not think of a better set of words to describe that. The offensive line for the Panthers, I'm just going to say that I hope when they woke up Monday morning uh, and, and, and celebrated their Christmas that there was like a shiny new Rolex or a Lamborghini under the tree of each of them from Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, and Sam Darnold, because with a couple of rare exceptions, none of those three got tackled in the backfield at all. It was a, in fact, in fact, uh, for those of you that follow me on Twitter at the Rob Brown show, 
uh, right before we started recording the pod, and I'm going to finish up when we're done, I was pitting up some examples of what I was looking at in this game, uh, especially, though, early in the second half. Detroit was moving up to running eight and sometimes nine-man heavy boxes against us just to stop the run. In fact, uh, there was one play around six and a half minutes left to play in the third quarter where the Lions ran an eight-box zero blitz with a single high safety, and Sam Darnold ran a fantastic fake to Foreman, right? Ran the play-action fake, pulled it, He got the entire eight-man box to collapse. While that was happening, DJ just ran from the inside wide receiver position. A quick little slant right over the middle. Darnold pulled it, got it over the top to to DJ for a first down. And even with a zero blitz out of an eight-man box, Sam Darnold didn't get hit and delivered a strike right across the middle to DJ Moore. It turns out that when you run the ball, even at a defense that knows you are running the ball and is throwing extra men to stop you, when you run the ball at them and you block well, a guy like Sam Darnold all of a sudden looks like he can cook a little bit, and the Panthers took full advantage of that. Uh, Even when Detroit was throwing eight and nine guys at us in the box, though, the offense stayed calm, ran to the spots where the spots were, ran to the lanes where the lanes were, and it opened the field up for Sam Darnold to look like a quarterback. You know that 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 thing where, where sports guys on the radio and on, on podcasts and, and stuff where they say, we told them what to do, what the formula was, and they finally listened to us. I'm going to do that too. I'm not going to act like I'm not going to do that. They listen exactly to us and did exactly what we said because, of course, we know better than they do. It comes down to they should have did that the week before. Um, And maybe it was a wake-up call going, okay, we can't. We've got to stick with our formula. We're just going to do that this week no matter what, and it worked. And the other thing is I saw Sam Darnold doing something I haven't seen in a long time. He was laughing. I don't – it was kind of scary because I don't know if I like Sam laughing or not because it's kind of devilish, I want to say. But he was laughing. He was having a good time. He didn't look stiff like he's having to look over his shoulder and and worried about them ghosts and all them things. He looked like he was having a good time. And winning will do that. And having a running game like that, uh, that will make you really happy and, and, and a really good offensive line. I also feel sorry for the offensive line. As good as they've been this year, they haven't had a consistent quarterback all year long. That means there's no one to really buy them gifts. I mean, you can't expect Sam Darnold, who's been in there like a you know a couple weeks, to to come 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 across with some good gifts on 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 Christmas morning. I mean, you got to use that as an excuse. I mean, uh, you know, you're looking, you're the lineman, you're thinking, oh yeah, my quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, my quarterback is Josh Allen. I know I'm gonna get something nice. Who's my quarterback this week? I ain't getting nothing. So I, I don't know. Maybe Sam came up with something, I hope. But uh, he should have because they played really well. We'll tell you why uh, Sam Darnold, I hope, sent some very nice like Omaha steaks, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe some new PS5s to his linemen today. Sam Darnold finished that game 15 of 22 for 250. Realistically, though, there were probably – three, maybe four drop footballs that that were on, that were drops, that were wide receivers should have caught that footballs. Granted, coldest game in the history of the bank, so a little tougher to catch a football than it would have been on a normal day. 
realistically probably could have, should have, would have been closer to the neighborhood of 18 for 22, 250 yards, one touchdown. He also ran the ball six for 19 and a touchdown and go back to that touchdown he had, which was an old school power option, right? Uh, you know, I, I was I was watching because they ran that option a couple of times successfully in that game, and Sam Darnold ran it great. Now that kind of power option is only going to work if and when your defensive end is watching guys gash to the inside for big chunks. That's what we did the whole first quarter. So by the time the power option came into play whether it was Hutchinson or, or whoever else out on the end, wh- anytime they saw the ball into the gut of a running back, dive down to the running back, Darnold on his touchdown war- run recognized that immediately. As soon as the, the, the play action went to Foreman and the eyes went up to the defensive end, I think on that touchdown it was Aiden Hutchinson, the outstanding rookie defensive end. Hutchinson took his step to the inside, as he should have, being afraid of the running back gush- uh, gashing from six out. And as soon as he took that step towards the uh, towards the offensive line, Darnold pulled it, just skated to the outside. They utilized, and, and, and this is something, and we don't need to bring up negatives because, hey, we're all celebrating. Ben McAdoo said, did something in this game, Lonzo, that I think he never really did with Baker Mayfield. He played to the strengths of Sam Darnold perfectly. What were the numbers we've been saying all year? Run it 40, throw it 20, and you're going to win the game. 43 rushes, 22 passing attempts. Those numbers worked out perfectly well. And in those runs, we're utilizing it to set up Sam Darnold to have maximum efficiency. And one of the things we haven't really seen is utilizing the legs of Sam Darnold as a weapon as much as anybody else's. Again, the guy that was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns through week five last year, Sam Darnold has an underappreciated set of legs on him when he gets some space. And when those power dives turned into those outside power options, the defensive ends had no idea how to handle the conflict created by that. Sam Darnold took full advantage of that. Ben McAdoo, I think, actually deserves credit for calling a pretty good game that played on the strengths we showed. It looked to Mizo. Like Carolina's offense was a little bit insulted by what happened last week against Pittsburgh. They played to their strengths. Ben McAdoo called a phenomenal football game, and the Panthers were in control at halftime and never looked back. You know, the other thing about it, if if you look at Sam Darnold, he was one of the more accurate quarterbacks of the weekend. Better than that guy down in Miami who's supposedly the most accurate quarterback in football. Better than the old man who pulled one out last night, talking about Tom Brady. Um, for the most part, Darnold is a game manager, but he didn't look like that uh, Saturday. It was Saturday when when it when the game was. He didn't look like that. He looked like a guy that was out there just slinging it around, and uh, he had the luxury of having such a good running game and and those guys keying on it. A lot of one on ones and things that a quarterback salivates over. He had those and he took advantage of them and he looked really good. I am glad you brought that up about Sammy D because I've got something I want to point out. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Views from Mint Street podcast rolls on, ladies and gentlemen. It's Rob Brown. It's Lonzo Reitzel. It's you, and it's all the Panthers talk you can handle, plus a little bit more if you haven't done it yet. Make sure you are subscribed to the Views from Mint Street podcast wherever major podcasts are found on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or faux free on the Odyssey app. Make sure you're downloading every episode and sharing it with your friends. We ended there talking about the Darnold. Sam Darnold took over as the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers back in week 12. Since week 12, Sam Darnold leads the NFL in yards per pass, and Sam Darnold has turned the ball over precisely zero times. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that even with the Pittsburgh game tossed in there, For the most part, Carolina's a run-heavy team that doesn't ask all that much of Sam Darnold in terms of going out there and making a play, although keep in mind on that first drive, that pass down the left-hand side that Terrence Marshall made a phenomenal leaping against the inside shoulder pad catch on that kind of saved the opening drive. Uh, Sam Darnold has not been asked to do much deep down the field until the run game has demanded attention in the box that opens up one-on-one coverage to the outside. But whether that's the case or not, Sam Darnold has taken very good care of the football. There have been no turnovers that were direct results of Sam Darnold. And when Darnold is throwing down the field at this point, When he is leading the NFL in yards per pass, it means that he's putting the ball in good spots for receivers to make a move and get themselves a little bit of extra space, even on the quick outs, right? We had that uh, that touchdown drive that DJ Moore scored on on the little outside, kind of almost a bubble screen play. That whole drive was set up by pulling guys to the inside with the run game and by Sam hitting DJ in a spot where DJ didn't have to make the adjustment that would have cost him the extra tenth or two-tenths of a second that would have allowed a DB to close the gap and shut down a run lane. DJ was catching the ball and able to watch the ball in, get his head up, and then have time to make the decision about inside, outside, which direction am I going with the football? That takes a quarterback putting the ball where the ball needs to be. I'm not sitting here making the argument that Sam Darnold is now suddenly the quarterback of the future, Lonzo. I am saying that folks that are vehement that we have to trade up to make a first-round draft selection this upcoming draft, that argument 
is losing a little bit of water week by week at this point. See, that's the thing. I, I don't know where I stand on this. I really don't. Um, if we had more losses, then yeah, I mean, go ahead and, and, and try to get that number one pick. Now, um, if you can keep the running game intact, we know that the offensive line, fairly young, you can keep that intact. Ah, man, I don't want to say that they should keep Sam Darnold and go after somebody else. I don't want to say that. But depending on how the season ends, I may have to say that because he's exactly the guy they need right now uh, with the coaching staff they have right now. And I think that's what it really comes down to. If Steve Wilkes becomes the head coach, I think Sam Darnold stays a quarterback. If he doesn't, then we'll just have to wait and see. Here's a here's a, an, an, an interesting question, and this is going to be one of those things that we're going to be talking about for a very long time. Great one. Uh, Albert Breer, who I follow on Twitter, uh, put up this tweet that I wanted to kind of get into, and, and, and we'll walk to the reason why in a minute. He said, it's hard to miss how much better Maker Mayfield with three weeks in that offense and the Rams' top two receivers out looks than Russell Wilson in an offense that was built for him over an entire offseason by and for him, right? And if you watched that game uh, between L.A. and Denver on Christmas Day, uh, I, I have two questions and a statement. Uh, number one, did you see that? Notice the same thing. Number two, uh, why? In the statement, uh, you need therapy. And it's okay. It's okay to admit you have a problem. If you watched Rams-Broncos beyond halftime, uh, you could have watched Die Hard. It had better competition in it, uh, even knowing the outcome. All right. I hate Denver. And I, I, I really... Who, by the way, fired their head coach about 30 minutes before we came on the pod. If you haven't heard the news, they're so bad. Nathaniel Hackett got fired on an Urban Meyer timescale. Yeah, ba- Baker Mayfield got uh got Nathaniel Hackett fired, or or, or Russell Wilson kind of got Nathaniel Hackett uh, fired because he's um not good, but uh, Baker in the right situation can be, and we're seeing that. Um, I don't know if he ends up staying with the Rams, but but you're but you're right. If if an offense. It, it's it, it comes down to fit. It also comes down to do you get along with the people you work with. And I still, I still, I can't help it. I can't shake the feeling. We'll see if it comes out later on that Baker and Wilkes had a thing that they weren't getting along. I, I really think that's part of it. But good for Baker. Good for him to go somewhere else and do well on a team that wasn't going anywhere anyway. Against a team that was really bad. Is that just smoke and mirrors or? Is, is Baker really able to adapt that way uh, that well? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I think it – I, I got to believe it's Wilkes. I, I do. We uh, and, and that is kind of the direction I was pointed in here, right? Because we, we've watched what Baker's done in L.A. He opened with a, an enormous game in that first win when he had been with the team a day and a half and got a dub. Uh, we watched him in his second week struggle a little bit and then beat up on Denver and granted, so does everybody else, but that's another conversation. What I will say is this, uh, Sean McVay and the offensive play calling staff there in Los Angeles very clearly showed that they understood the strengths of Baker Mayfield and the weaknesses of Baker Mayfield and strayed toward the strengths in a way 
from the weaknesses. And that kind of leads me to uh, the question mark about, I really would like a little bit more insight. And, and, and I don't know how we would get this or if it's gettable, but I'd like to know a little bit more about the dynamic about how plays have been called and not called for the Carolina Panthers uh, since back in week one. I mean, going even back to the Matt rule days up till now, because I think we showed yesterday that when the play calls go towards what are the obvious strengths of the team as a whole, the running backs as a unit and to Sam Darnold as a QB, I think it kind of showed you that this offense has got the tools to be very good. Uh, in fact, I, let me let me tell you the crazy thought that I had, and then we'll we'll come back to this discussion. But how about this crazy thought that I had uh, rewatching this game this morning? Right, so I, I I watched it on Saturday. I got up this morning in preparation for the pod. I'm off from the radio show this week, so I'm like, you know what? Let me let me rewatch that game one more time before we get to the pod. And about the middle of the third quarter of my rewatch this morning. As I was, I had the game on the TV and I'm, I'm scrolling down through Twitter and I saw Nathaniel Hackett got fired in Denver. And of course, all the Denver fans started jumping up and saying, hey, Sean Payton, right? Like, let's get Sean Payton out here before the Denver media had to shut them down and go, hey, we don't have the capital to do that, right? Like, we don't have the money. We don't have the draft picks that we would need to put together in a package to New Orleans in order to gain the rights to Sean Payton. And my brain, and for those of you who who have not listened to our regular radio show, uh, I have said for a while, even before uh, Steve Wilkes got the interim head coaching job, Sean Payton is not coming to Carolina. All right. We, we, we don't have the tools. We don't have the weapons. We certainly have the draft capital if we wanted to make that in division trade. And then I got to thinking about it, watching this offense. You've got a double headed monster in our two running backs and Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, who put it on display on Saturday, Raheem Blackshear, Uh, he opened up the scoring with that touchdown on that little outside option, which, uh, which, which was phenomenal as well. You've got TMJ who showed, especially with that opening drive catch down the sideline that he's got the body awareness to be very, very good. You've got DJ Moore. You've got an offensive line that was dominant yesterday. If Sean Payton, who has said multiple times his interest in returning to coaching would need to be accompanied with the perfect situation. So if you are an offensive mind, right, if you're a guy who looks to tinker with weapons and play to strengths and kind of see things other people can't see in that job, Carolina would make a lot of sense. Now, that is not me saying Sean Payton ends up in Carolina. I'm saying the offensive weapons that we have right now, Zoe, showed that they can be so potent if used correctly that my big dumb brain went, this is exactly the type of offense that a guy like Sean Payton would be looking to take command over. This is exactly the type of offense that is already tooled for a guy like Sean Payton. That's how good that offense looked. The problem is if they figured something out, did Wilkes and McAdoo this weekend, And with two games left and uh, the Panthers still having control of their destiny, if they went out and win this division, 
Wilkes is going to stay in control. I don't know if he keeps McAdoo along for the ride, but Wilkes will be the head coach. And a guy like Peyton doesn't show up if that was an ever, ever an option on the table. But the point is, the weapons are there, Lonzo. I think we've gone from we need to find a quarterback and a head coach to we got to make sure we got the right guy at HC because the window can absolutely be looked at as open right now. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing is you talked about uh, Denver not having the, the capital to do that. The Panthers do. We keep talking about those draft picks and what they can do with that as far as trading up to get another quarterback. You can also use that to get get a head coach like Sean Payton if that's what that's who you wanted. I don't I don't think that New Orleans would do that in division, but New Orleans has a lot of holes too that they could fill with some of those draft picks if Carolina was willing to part with them to get that coach. And we you know we talked last week about about Pittsburgh and and the report of a possibility of Mike Tomlin coming over. Um, Sean Payton is it's kind of the same situation. You'd just be trading with with uh, New Orleans instead of uh, Pittsburgh. And I think it's definitely a possibility, but it really is still, it all it's all up in the air. It's going to be until we lose another game. And if that, if the game that the Panthers lose is in the regular season, I don't see them sticking with Steve Wilkes. So then all that comes to light. Uh, but if they win these last two games, I don't see them going away from him. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't. That's uh, this is going to be an interesting opportunity, interesting time for Fitter this all season. And again, I don't think we have to make our calls, projections, or prognostications just yet, because I think what happens through the remainder of the season uh, will be the decision-making factor. Right? Do we beat Tampa Bay? This upcoming weekend, we beat Tampa Bay. Then it comes down to uh, us in New Orleans against that at that point. Right. If it comes down to Saints Panthers in that final week of the season, which it very well might January 8th, it may be Saints versus Panthers for the division. We win that game. And now all of a sudden you got to go. Okay, wait a minute. Steve Wilkes has now matched a season-high total of victories during the two full seasons that Matt Rule was in control. He did it with a Matt Rule roster. He did it with a QB position that was in flux. Uh, He has now accomplished something with one more win that Matt Rule didn't do in two full years. The team is fully gelled behind him from what we can tell. Uh, He has sharpened, whether it was him or McAdoo, that offense at least for one week. Let's see if they put it together back-to-back weeks because, again, that Saturday team can absolutely beat Tampa this weekend and keep control of our destiny. Uh, if, if, If we went out with Tampa and New Orleans at this point, then I absolutely think you've got to make Steve Wilkes the head coach. And by the way, that assumption... That assumption comes from the assumption that New Orleans uh, would win their next game. BT dubs the uh, the New Orleans Saints have the Philadelphia Eagles sitting between us and that. We got Tampa. They got Philly. It might be over before that point. Yada, yada, yada. Whatever happens, Lonzo. Steve Wilkes is absolutely, I think, met what most of us would have labeled an incomprehensible bar when he took over as the interim head coach back in week six. And now Fitzy's got a decision to make because as good as Wilkes has been, 
do you make a play for Sean Payton? Because I will say this before we skip and, and, and look at some of the ramifications from the game. If the decision comes down to Steve Wilkes or Sean Payton, Sean Payton's the obvious answer. Like, that's the obvious guy that yeah, you go with. Without, between the without two. a doubt, man. I mean, come on. It's, right. It's Sean Payton. Uh, Sean Payton is the guy you go with, obviously, if you if you can get him. And it's, you know, it's not much heftier than maybe a first round draft pick, especially if you make the playoffs and we can't be any higher than the 16th draft pick at that point. But if he is unavailable or you're not willing to send a first down to New Orleans for him, I think Steve Wilkes, assuming he wins two more, definitely as the head coach, if he wins one of the last two and it comes down to January 8th for a playoff spot, I still think he's got the spot. I don't know, man. I'm just saying that 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 win, not the win, Lonzo, but the way we beat Detroit makes everything a lot more interesting to look at. Well, the other thing is if Steve Wilkes actually is able to get this team to win the last two games, make the playoffs, and I know it sounds weird, and actually win a playoff game, the job says without a doubt, even if even if you could get Sean Payton, because these guys will have rallied around him, been able to win a home game against, I mean, in the playoffs. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good resume. The Views from Mint Street podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel. If you haven't shared the podcast with your Carolina Panther-loving family and friends now, is a perfect time to do it as we turn the corner towards a new year and a new football team. Because, man, 37-23 over Detroit's got me feeling some kind of way on a Monday morning. Let's take a look at uh, at some of the standout performances from this game, of which there are no shortage, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Darnold, we mentioned him earlier, 15 of 22 for 250 and a touch, and reasonably could have been probably closer to 18 of 22 for about 290. There were a couple of drops in that game that brought those numbers down. But how about it? What did we tell you? Games in which the Panthers win, they have been getting around 190 rushing yards. All they did in this one, 320 rushing yards. 165 out of Deontay Foreman, 125 out of Chuba Hubbard. Both of those guys averaging eight yards per carry or better. Foreman, 7.9. Chuba, 10.4. You also had... 19 out of Sam Darnold on six carries, one of them being a touchdown to that game. But here's the thing, though. If I told you that Carolina was going to end a game in the neighborhood of 320 rushing yards, I think reasonably most of us would expect that it would have been like a 90 to 100 yards through the air kind of day. 250 through the air, 83 and a touch for DJ. How about 55 for TMJ, 53 for Chenault, 18 for Tremble, 17 for Shy before he left after getting banged up on that punt return. Ian Thomas and Raheem Blackshear both had a snag for 12 yards as well. Um, again, I, I, I want to get into X's and O's and this worked and that and this, this tactic and that and this, but it was very, very simple. 
We ran the hell out of the football. It forced them to go to eight-man boxes with single high safety. When they did that, Sam Darnold made them pay. And the defense did enough on their side of the football field uh, for us to make 37 points work. It's kind of one of those games, though, that, you know, you know me, I like to talk about what went wrong because the only way to fix what went wrong is to talk about what went wrong. I don't really have much in that department today, fortunately. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I, I, you don't see a perfect game, but it was a complete game all the way around on offense. Defense, I'm still a little bit worried about, but Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu had, had a, had a very good game. Um, I saw that uh, JC Horn got hurt. I haven't seen any details about if it was really bad or not, but it looked kind of bad. It, it did look bad. Uh, what I saw earlier today from Pro Football to- uh, Doc on Twitter was that he has a radius fracture, which I believe is in the arm elbow, though I am not a doctor, nor did I stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night. But he has a radius fracture. fracture. That does mean potential surgery. That is the bad news. The good news is while he will be likely unavailable for the final two weeks of the season, uh, he would potentially be able to return for the playoffs, though he would have to play with a cast on his arm. So he might be a little bit less. That being said, J.C. Horn, not really an INT guy, more of a pass breakup guy. So just having him out there is big. We will obviously have to have quite a discussion about what the uh, what the offense looks like, or excuse me, what the defense looks like without J.C. Horn available, considering how many pass breakups he's had and the numbers he's put up. We've talked about those all season long. J.C. Horn unavailable against Tampa in New Orleans from what we're seeing. The good news, though, is that neither one of those teams is having uh, an exceptional year passing the football, meaning that not having our number one pass up, pass breakup guy will not be as detrimental as it would be if we were playing, say, a Minnesota or a Philadelphia teams that have put up big numbers through the air. Um, it is a loss. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying that the time that we have lost him, the two weeks of the season we've lost him, uh, it could have been dramatically worse. We will need to play a very clean game against Tampa. We know how Tampa games go when the NFL wants Brady in the playoffs. Let me put on my tinfoil hat. Uh, it is a big loss. However, being able to have him back for the playoffs gives me that much more hope that should we catch a team like a Dallas Cowboys that – you can run the ball against, uh, you know, I'd like to have him back at that point. Let's just go win the next two games. Yeah, that's that's it. Just go win the next two games, you know, against teams that we've already beat. So it isn't like we don't know how to do that. Absolutely know how to beat Tampa Bay, know how to beat New Orleans. thing about Tampa Bay is, you know, if you run the ball a bunch and can rush the passer, which we can do both, you don't leave any time on the stinking board for – Tom Brady to come back and beat you. The Cardinals. Why? Why? Why won't he go away? I, I mean, you know, that's, why won't he just go away? I mean, you, you know, he's had a great career and everything. He'll be rich till the end of his days, unless he has more Bitcoin debacle things. But he, 
Yeah, Arizona with their third string quarterback who had never started, I think, uh, should have won that game. Uh, in fairness, he uh, uh, doesn't really have anything else to do, you know. By the way, speaking of real quick, and 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 this is just because it makes me laugh. Did you see where Rob Gronkowski tweeted out a picture of Brady and said, I'm bored, dot, 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 dot? That's terrifying. Don't like that. Rob, just keep making incredibly mediocre USAA commercials. Okay, buddy? Just just stay in the TV which, game for right makes now. It, they make no sense at all. They they don't. I, how is that selling that insurance? for? I don't. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I get why you get a spokesperson in. But if you're not in the military, you can't get it anyway. I, don't, I, a, I do like I do like the concept of insurance so good that even though I don't have it or use it, I still endorse it. It's an interesting marketing strategy. But hey, everybody loves Gronk. Everybody loves Gronk. Yeah, Gronk apparently, apparently, a couple teams love Gronk enough to reach out to him. So why wouldn't uh, you? Why wouldn't uh, you? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I wouldn't hate adding a tight end to the mix. All right. That's all I'm well, saying. Uh, as long as he doesn't go to Tampa Bay. Just, just, yeah, I don't care if you're bored. Somebody else snatch him up. Don't let him go back there. Let me, uh, let me throw out one more. Uh, really quick. Obviously, Tom Brady is missing Gronk. That's been his guy all along. You know, uh, you look at could Tom win without Bill? Apparently, he can. You know who he can't win without? That's Gronk. I mean, everybody loves Gronk, especially Brady. Uh, let me give out one more set, though, of helmet stickers. Um, the entire defensive line, but predominantly Mr. Brown right there in the middle. DB in the middle was phenomenal in this game, not just because they ate up uh, a lot of the Detroit run game. I think, what was it, at, at halftime, uh, I think it was like 232 run yards to 21 for Detroit. Right. I mean, you're going to win that game 99% of the time. Uh, Brown specifically, because what DB was doing was he was he was owning the interior of the offensive line of Detroit so much that he was opening up angles for other spots. Right. Brian Burns had a big sack in the third quarter. Did they a really dope, by the way. Speaking of helmet stickers, a really dope Spider-Man victory dance. Did you catch that out of Brian Burns? Because he kind of nailed it, if I'm being honest, as a nerd. Uh, Derek Brown was eating up blocks in ways that opened up angles of attack to Jared Goff for other guys like Brian Burns. And then the rest, Etor, Gross, Matos, etc. Because they were doing something that I wish I saw more of, though, which is getting the hands up. When you've got a quarterback who is throwing at low angles, Jared Goff was throwing a lot of low angle footballs and the DL was getting their hand up. In fact, I think there was, there was one drive to open the third quarter where we had three consecutive passes get batted down or tipped into the air at the line of scrimmage. That does two things. Number one, it eats up a play obviously, but number two, when you start tipping those balls in the air, uh, it gives opportunities for turnovers in the back half. And when you've got a defensive line that recognizes when a quarterback is throwing predominantly low angle, tra low trajectory footballs out of the backfield and they get their hands up in the air, that can absolutely be a game changer. The defensive line was not only doing an excellent job at eating up the run, 
Derek Brown was not only doing an obvious job, like he doesn't still up in the stat sheet. And I saw another comment yesterday from like, oh, where's Derek Brown? He's not on the stat sheet again. It's like that dude was taking up double teams in the middle and it was opening up lines for other guys to get through. The defensive line for the Carolina Panthers, Lonzo, is not going to get a lot of credit for that win Saturday, but they damn sure should. I love that. Where's Derek Brown? He's fat and he's in the middle and he's stopping stuff. That's what he's doing, uh, which is his job. And he's really good at it. And uh, that's that's another place that the, the Panthers could add some uh, in the draft. Think about it. You beef that up even more on the defensive side. The offensive line is taken care of. You get a couple more of those guys in there. That would be uh, that'd be pretty sweet. I am uh I'm a big fan of what this DL did. I'm a big fan of what Derek Brown did. Like I said, one of those one of those stats that does not show up on the stat sheet. Uh Derek Brown's Spider-Man sack dance only got put on display because of the fact that they had to pull in in a situation in that pass pro that they ran on that particular play ordinarily. You would have Brown come in. You'd have the center be responsible for that block. You'd have a guard who would likely chip over to DB and then keep his head to the left and keep that left hand out. But he had to collapse down because Derek Brown was pushing a center backwards. So the guard had to move over in order to get some leverage to help hold up D Brown. And Burns just went low and got around him. Those are the types of plays that you hired Derek Brown to perform. He did it. And the Panthers were beneficiaries. Uh, you know, they were they were really only what I think three big plays down the field that Jared Goff converted. Uh, J.C. Horn got beat on one. Uh, I can't remember who got beat on the first one in the first half that led to the first Lions touchdown. You take one or both of those plays away, and this game is honestly uh, less close than it already wasn't. Uh, those are the types of things that you're just going to get beat every now and then. That's how football works. But the fact that every time Detroit scored, Carolina answered and then also provided a few exclamation points on their own. You know, I, I, I think I, I comfortably, you can add on if you want, so I can comfortably end by saying that my prep sheet today it's all positives, man. It really is. There are very, very few negatives, very, very few things that I would come in here and say, we need to do that better. We played to the strengths. We ran the ball. It opened up the field for Sam. Even in opening up the field, we didn't ask him to take a ton of deep shots. We just said, take what's available for you. Defensively, we didn't let them get comfortable and into a rhythm, into a routine. We never let Jared Goff, with one or two exceptions, get those big chunk plays down the middle. We ate up the blocks and allowed our second-level defenders to do what they do. I really don't have many, if any, critiques about this Panthers team. All I got left, Zoe, is let's go beat the hell out of Tampa Bay this weekend and make a playoff spot all but assured. All right. So speaking of being positive, uh, you wanted to start, in, start the new year off right. Uh, you're one of those New Year's resolutions cut type of people, and, and I don't blame you. And you want to show more love for your team. How better to show more love and actually have a resolution that you could stick to than – having a friend, a family member, someone you know who's a Panther fan become a subscriber to the Views from Men Street podcast. It's it's a way to go. You know what? I resolved that I was going to be a better fan, so I decided I am going to get as 
I'm going to get 10 people. I'm going to get 10 people to subscribe to the Views from Mint Street podcast. My resolution is done. Hey, you're in the gym. You paid all that money. You're going to be done in three weeks, and you got to pay for that uh, gym membership for six months. I don't have to do that. I subscribed to the Views from Mint Street, and it was free on the Odyssey app. There you oh, go. And, uh, and by the way, we're not even asking for your money, people. We don't even want your money. We just want your time and your ear holes. That's all. That's all. Lonzo, any final words for the people besides search, subscribe, download, and share? Yeah, that, that was it. Okay, that, that that's what it. I thought. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been fun. I hope that next Monday we can do it again and be a half game away from a playoff spot. Yes, I am looking forward to that. It's Christmas. I'm in a good mood. I hope you are as well. The next episode will drop Wednesday. We will have an update on J.C. Horn's injury, any other bang ups that happen during that game. Obviously, we will have some reaction to the press conferences from Steve Wilkes and co., and we'll start setting up for an NFC South showdown with Tom Brady and his Buccaneers. That's when Wednesday's episode drops. We will see you then, ladies and gentlemen. For Lonzo Wright's Lion Rob Brown, thanks for listening, and keep pounding, baby!